0: welcome to 1823 podcast from Liverpool John Moores University. I'm Stuart Harrismith, and we're bringing you this episode of the podcast from the Liverpool City Region's first ever environmental summit. We'll be hearing more about how the region's working together towards a green future.
1: We do want to protect the area that we, we live in and that means if we can do our little bit then that helps the planet. But we need obviously this to be a much broader and wider campaign and I think that where we lead, others will follow.
2: Children spend a lot of time in a classroom being very focused on a task, sitting still. So they come into the Forest School and they're able to run around and be free and it's really liberating for them.
3: There can be this perception that business is there as the enemy. Actually no, I, in my view, is business is there as part of the solution business can shape that future and help shape that future for everybody but we've got to do that together
4: people really value their local green space people get very emotionally connected to it and that's fantastic and that's something we should be really proud of we're very lucky
1: 1823 podcast
0: Today's event has been hosted at LJMU's John Lennon Art and Design Building. There are delegates here from a wide range of partner organisations and there'll be presentations and workshops around the theme of working towards a green future. Throughout the day I'm going to catch up with some of the speakers to discuss different issues like this year's declaration of a climate emergency in the Liverpool City region, why green is good for business, the impact of the environment on our health and how we're educating and perhaps being educated by school children about green issues. You can probably hear in the background the noise of delegates outside the main lecture hall. The event's going to start in a few minutes and for that we're going to head outside. So get your coat on and come with me. Okay and we're outside the John Lennon Art and Design building now. It's a cold but bright November morning but thankfully it's not raining. The day starting with a tree planting ceremony in the grounds of the building. This is to launch LJMU's new forest school. This is where teaching students deliver outdoor sessions to school children from primary schools across the city. It's a great initiative, and you might recall that we visited LJMU's Forest School at the I.M. Marsh campus in a previous episode of the podcast. The trees have been planted today by Dr. Avril Rowley. She's LJMU's programme leader for the Forest School, and we'll catch up with Avril in a few moments. And also Steve Roderham, the Liverpool City Region Metro Mayor. Yes, I'd say Steve and Avril have their spades and they've put the final touches to the planting of the four trees that mark the start of the Forest School. They've been very ably supported as well by school children from the neighbouring St Nicholas and Pleasant Street Primary Schools. And these guys are just going to have a few photographs taken now and then we'll head back inside.
4: welcome, thank you very much. Excellent,
1: thanks very much. 18.23 podcast.
0: We've made our way back inside into the warmth now and I'm joined by Dr Avril Rowley, Avril's the programme leader for the forest school at LJMU and we're just defrosting now Avril after the the tree planting. Mm. You must be delighted to see the first trees go in for this new forest school.
2: Yes it's very exciting, we've been working towards this for quite a while now and we hope it's going to be really innovative, Mm. include the local community and engage with other campuses and other faculties within the university as well.
0: Yeah, and what about the importance of having green space within a built-up city centre as well? That must be really important.
2: Oh, extremely so, yes, because I mean this area itself is very built up and I know it is on the university's agenda to improve that. And I think with, you know, we're going to be having upwards of 200 trees planted just in this small area the biodiversity that that will you know start to encourage, the fact that people will be able to go and spend time there and you know, improve their well-being, learn about the environment. It's I think it's going to be a really versatile area and extremely important for this part of the city.
0: Yeah, and for people who don't know, just explain a little bit about what the forest school is and how it works and what benefits it brings.
2: Um, forest School is uh, a philosophy, um, an approach to teaching which originates in Scandinavian countries where children have a lot more access to open spaces and mm. green spaces in particular during their early years and it was brought over to this country in the 1980s and 1990s um, where it's really taken off. It doesn't fit with the school curriculum it's something that sits outside of school curriculum and it's about holistic learning and the key factor is that children have you know sustained length of time outside um, that they would have, you know, upwards of six to eight, even ten sessions outside in a wooded area, mm. carrying out activities that are, you know, very much focused on their own interests, so it's child-led, unlike what, you know, the way schools work yeah. with it, very focused on the curriculum. And the activities help to improve their self-esteem, help to b- build up teamwork, help to them to communicate with each other a lot better. It's really good for their emotional literacy so that they can actually come to understand their own emotions. And um, it includes things like building shelters, working with knots and ropes, lighting fires, cooking, and working with the natural environment to create things, which for, for many children who might have special needs in the classroom, can become something that's really important for them because they can excel in a different area when they're given that opportunity
0: I've been out to some of the sessions at I am Marsh and the school children really love it don't they it really taps into that enthusiasm and curiosity for nature doesn't it
2: well if you imagine especially with school children now this the schools are under so much pressure to deliver on targets um, that you know put them into league tables and so that means that the schools no matter how hard they try have still got to really focus on ensuring the children reach specific levels in their maths and english mm. and so they, the children spend a lot of time in the classroom being very focused on a task sitting still so they come into the forest school and they're able to run around and be free and it's really liberating for them and often the children that find it very difficult to concentrate in the classroom are like model pupils in mm. the forest school because mm. suddenly they don't have those confinements of the, of the walls around them and they, they just um, really start to flourish, I think.
0: So. Yeah, and of course no two people will ever learn in exactly the same way, so it does reflect that, doesn't it? As yeah. you say, some people are classroom-based, other people will thrive outdoors as well. Yeah. Um and what about your trainee teachers as well at LJMU through the School of Education, what what does it give to them as part of their preparation for going off into their careers?
2: Well, we're very mindful of the fact that there is a move back towards teaching children outdoors in a variety of different ways including Forest School. So um, what we offer our students um, and our trainee teachers the, is the opportunity to, uh, achieve their level one forest school association qualifications which is an introduction to forest school and it then enables them to use some of those pedagogies in their own teaching they've got that extra qualification when they leave the university to become teachers themselves so they're then going to go into schools most of them locally because most of our students or our graduates stay in the area Mm and impact on local schools where they, you know, many of the staff might not already have those qualifications. So it's an extra skill set for them, and many of them um, through the, the evaluations that we've done with them so far say it really enhances their teaching inside the classroom as well, because it makes them think a lot more creatively, a bit more outside the box, um, and thinking about how, will, how can I bring nature into this lesson, um, whereas before they might not have done that.
3: Yeah,
0: and obviously we've just had the four trees go in today for the launch of it. How long before this looks how you want it to look at the Forest School?
2: We're moving up here in 2021, I think, Mm -hmm. so we're hoping that it will be pretty flourishing by then. Um, We are planting another 200 trees in January. And then most of those will be quite small, but we are also getting another four mature trees. We're going to build some in- infrastructure as well, yeah. including sort of for- um, fire circle mm. and a, a shelter area so that it's it's got a little bit more there. But um, we are gonna, we're hoping to start using it quite soon, really, yeah, uh, yeah. because there's no reason why it shouldn't be, mm. as long as we're just careful with any of the the small trees that are in there
0: yeah yeah and obviously just finally today is all about talking about how we protect appreciate and enhance our environment forest school very much does that and it also it'll help to fire that enthusiasm won't it for children as well And, and we need the younger generations to take these messages on and and into the future take better care of the planet than than perhaps we and previous generations have done
2: yes definitely um I'm hoping that it, it will just lead to more of these types of initiatives across as, across the city, but also, you know, from us, our perspective is John Moore's that we would really start to develop our campus sites a lot more in line with engaging people. Because the I, I see the benefits of this new forest school area as not only being for the children that will use it, but also for all the adults including our students and staff and it would be really good to see more of that type of thing as we develop our campus area so that, bearing in mind some of the things that have been discussed this morning that we might build something but at the same time we're going to give something back by creating something new Mm. Um, and I've got my own another project already
0: (laughs) (laughs) To be revealed (laughs) in the future Okay. thanks Avril, thanks for chatting to us Mm -hmm. that's Dr Avril Rowley the Forest School Programme Leader here at LJMU
1: This is 1823 Podcast.
0: I'm joined now by the Metro Mayor for the Liverpool City Region, Steve Rotherham. Hi, Steve. Hiya. And welcome to the podcast. Yeah, Um, no problem. We should say as well, an LJMU alumnus. Yes. So, welcome back. Thanks for coming along today and having the summit here. It's the the City Region's first environmental summit and you must be encouraged by the number of partners who've come along, not just today but have taken part in the Year of the Environment throughout 2019. Well, today's um, sort of turnout is is amazing we were
1: expecting you know several people to want to come to something like this but the sheer volume has uh, amazed me really over the 12 months or 10 months isn't it that we've had so far of year of the environment we've probably had 10,000 people going to 500 activities and each of those has drew uh, a significant crowd and today is the culmination of everything that we've been doing and, and a celebration really of how
0: successful this 10 months has been. You've made a couple of major environmental announcements at the summit today which we'll talk about in a moment but let's just put it into context first because you've declared an environmental emergency in the city region this year.
1: Yeah, I mean what happened there was um, a group of of, um, strike protesters came to the combined authority and they had a demonstration outside and I said to them, look, you know, come and talk to us about what we're doing and we did that and we thought that what was already announced would be enhanced if we then declared a climate emergency and so as a combined authority we were the first in the country to do so but we wanted that not to interfere with our overall targets which are to actually be net zero carbon by 2040 and not 2050 and that's why there was sort of that hiatus while we uh, made certain that one didn't in any way interfere with the other but look we, we think that in our city region we're doing things that other areas aren't doing and that we're the head of the game and we want not just to be net zero carbon by 2040 if we can bring that target down then that's what we're going to work towards doing yeah
0: and you've unveiled these two significant plans for the environment today one is to create a climate partnership in the city region and the other is major funding for more community environment projects just tell us a little bit more about what you've got in mind there Well, we need something, don't we? We need a focus after this 12 months. And so the Liverpool City
1: Region Climate Partnership will be a group of academics, of um, trade unions, of businesses, of, of, you know, ordinary people, you know, off the streets, sort of thing, uh, but environmentalists, people who are interested in these issues, all coming together as a sort of think tank. But the idea then is that they will have a pot of money and the half a million pounds that we've announced is just the start of what we want to do to try and get some of the funding, that we get out to the neighbourhood level so communities will be able to bid in for
0: some of this funding. And you obviously need to have buy-in for things like that but you have that don't you because you had this listening exercise earlier this year and the people of the city region said very clearly the environment is a key priority for us. Absolutely and look you know whenever you ask
1: um, people in the Liverpool city region they're not shy in coming forward and telling you what they believe that we should be doing and that's how we want want to continue we want to consult and then respond so we listened we have heard the message and now we're going to go out and start to
0: implement some of the things that people have told us are really important to them yeah and it's so important isn't it to have that partnership working as well because this is such a big issue you can't you, there's no one single answer to this and there's not and, and, and of course we can't do everything ourselves just because
1: we as Liverpool City Region have got these stretching targets and perhaps you know um just say that in an ideal world we were able to become net zero carbon tomorrow the air and the air quality doesn't just retain within the kirtletch of the Liverpool City region mm-hmm. and so we need everybody else to be working with us and of course that includes not just as a country but as a planet but we need to start somewhere and we want to demonstrate just how seriously we're taking the climate emergency and we want the Liverpool City region to be an exemplar
0: and when I was walking around and seeing all the partners who are here today, that representing all six areas of the city region. Yeah. And it really strikes you how blessed we are with our natural assets in the city region. And I guess, consequently, a big responsibility comes with that, to take care of them and protect them for future generations as well. And so we should. And, and people are
1: rightly proud of their areas and of their environments and, of course, of the other things that make them the people that they are. And I think people in the Liverpool City region are unique in... fact that within our DNA we have many traits that I think others are envious of and one of those is that we do want to protect the area that we we live in and that means if we can do our little bit then that helps the planet but we need obviously this to be a much broader and
0: wider campaign and I think that where we lead others will follow. And just finally what what are you hoping people take away from today what kind of message and enthusiasm for, for going forward into 2020 and beyond? The first bit is to understand
1: just what an asset as you just said there that we have in the Liverpool City region and just the range you know everything from fantastic woodlands and um, beautiful beaches um, a river and the cityscape that everyone can be proud of but within the six districts there are things that make people really proud of their individual areas so i want first of all to celebrate what we've already got but then to set those stretching targets and to respond to people's concerns that the climate emergency is getting higher and higher up the political agenda and that politicians need to do something about it, but we can't do it on our own. And that's why, you know, a, a climate partnership really is the way forward, get everybody to sort of pull in the same direction so that we can have a vision for the Liverpool city region that, as I said earlier,
0: others, I think, in the whole country will start to follow. Yeah, let's hope so. Great. Thanks, Steve. Thanks Thanks, for talking to us. That's Steve Rotherham, the Metro Mayor of the Liverpool City Region.
1: This is 1823 podcast.
0: Now, my next guest is just fresh from the stage where she's been given a presentation to everyone here at the summit today around the health benefits of the environment. So welcome to the podcast, Claire Olver from Mersey Forest. Hi, Claire.
4: Hi, thank you very much.
0: Oh, no, thank you for, for taking the time. I know it's a busy day today and you, you've just spoken to the best part of 300 people out there. Um, what are the kind of messages you've been getting out to people today?
4: That being in nature, connecting with nature is really great for our health.
0: Yeah. It's very simple. Yeah, and and you broke that down a little bit for us in the main room as well to to these four steps to well-being. Can you just tell us a little bit more about those? Yeah.
4: Okay. So I work for an organisation called the Mersey Forest, and we run a programme called the Natural Health Service. And so, as the Mersey Forest, we're a community forest. In fact, this year it's our twenty-fifth year of delivery. Right. So we've planted over nine million trees. Um. Um through planting those 9 million trees we've actually created greener places and if we have greener places we have healthier communities so that's our number one step and then secondly we want to get more people more active more often so that's getting the likes of you and me out out of our sofas away from the telly outside getting that cardiovascular exercise Mm. but at the same time you know breathing and and connecting with nature as they're walking around so that's for everybody and everybody can do it and the work that we've been doing over the last 25 years is to create woodlands on your doorsteps Mm. so whether it's in your local park or the everyday connection with nature we don't have to get in our cars on the trains to go somewhere special it's about taking notice using what is local to us And then thirdly, we're doing a lot of work at the moment in Liverpool City Centre through Urban Greenup, which is a European-funded project, and that's looking at the passive benefits of trees and woodlands. So that might not be something you're aware of every day. So these are things like how having trees um, and greenery and hedges particularly in urban areas can help ameliorate the effects of air pollution. Right. And then lastly, we've got the Natural Health Service which is about specific activities and interventions that provide support for people with a range of conditions.
0: Yeah, yeah, and you've used this phrase of a dose of nature as well and that fits in with the idea of a natural health service and what what are the kind of benefits that it can bring for being outside?
4: Right, so I suppose, I um, don't want to be facetious, but a, a dose of nature. We're trying to um, copy what I suppose the big pharmaceutical companies would do. Yeah. So we would, we would talk about different types of products, mm. and I can talk about those in a minute. Um, but these are targeted activities, and we know that certain people with certain conditions will benefit from different, uh, different ones of our products. So we've got walking, Walking for Health but we wouldn't necessarily market that. Uh, we've got horticultural therapy, and again, we might call that gardening for all. Yeah. We've got mindful contact with nature. We've got forest school, or if we're doing it with families or adults, we might call that bushcraft. Mm. And finally, we've got practical conservation, or if we are working with an organization such as uh, TCV, we'll call that Green Gym. So there are products.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned the Forest School, and obviously we started today by, by the launch of the yes. new Forest School here at the John Lennon Art and Design Building, and as well as the practical skills that the children get from being outdoors, it does seem to be something that helps with well-being, just connecting to nature, engaging with the environment around us. It does have other benefits
3: as well.
4: Oh, absolutely. In fact, we've done some work with LJMU um, around the physical activity benefits of Forest School and found that children... Um, undertaking forest school are as active on a forest school day as they are on a PE day.
0: Right. So that's
4: right. just the physical activity, that doesn't include all the other benefits they get about being outside and connecting with nature and the mental well-being and that's critical and I think that's forest school is often seen as something just for primary school children but actually it's got its applicability right through the the age range and we do a lot of work of, um, we don't call it forest school when we work with adults but you know dads and lads type of thing that's mm. called bushcraft and that's really that's really great for building connections with families
0: yeah and i guess it's kind of getting healthy without realizing that you're getting healthy isn't it? <laughs> yes, exactly right
4: we call that health by stealth right so good um, phrase it is and um it's about working with people. So we, what we don't want to do is be terribly uh, middle class and say, you should go on a walk because that's good for you. That's, that would just not work. So what we try to do is work really closely with the, in the area that we, we're working in and the community, and we co-create um, a product. We co-create an activity around the product. So I'll give you an example. We worked with a local job centre with men who were out of work, and we called it Walks With Your Camera. So it was, actually, it was a health walk, but if we'd have called it a health walk, they would never have come. Yeah. And it had some fantastic outcomes of it. It was just a, a brilliant programme because they didn't realise they were actually connecting with each other. They yeah. were connecting with nature, they were getting skills, employability skills, and at the same time they were getting increased physical activity. It was a really great example of health by stealth.
0: Yeah, and this is something I was talking about with Steve Rotherham earlier. We we are so lucky in the city region that every one of those six areas of the city region has real green assets and open spaces, parkland, whether it's the beach, the water, the hills. There's so much that you can go out and do, whether alone or with family, with friends, whatever.
4: Absolutely, and that's what I suppose is... Someone who's worked at the Mersey Forest for 16 years is really proud of the progress that the wide partnership has made, and I think it's really important today Um, At the the summit to to really focus and refocus that effort because we could hear from the the sessions the feedback sessions How people really value their local green space how people get very emotionally connected to it? And that's fantastic and that's something we should be really proud of we're very lucky as you say in this region to have such Fantastic green assets and they should remain as assets rather than seen as cost centers And I suppose that's the work of the natural health services to show that our green spaces our wonderful green spaces are health assets.
0: Yeah and you shared some um, some comments from some of the people who've who've got involved in these initiatives and, and there were some great comments. One person who said it's keeping me out of hospital. What a great testimonial for the work that you do.
4: Yes and uh, we, we've worked really closely actually with uh, Liverpool John Moores on the, on the data collection and the evaluation. Uh, we had a, a PhD candidate work with us for um, a number of years and so we We try and capture the information in in a number of different ways, and um, quantitative information is absolutely critical. But we're aware that's a tiny, that only gives you a tiny flavor of what the benefits were. So we encourage people to, uh, to tell us how it feels for them in their own words. And sometimes we can use, you know, write it down, or sometimes we might chat on a, with a phone and do a little quick video. Um, sometimes if we're working with children, we might do drawing and show and tell. Or uh, if we work with uh, youngsters who've got learning difficulties, then we might capture the information in another way. It's a really sensitive way of doing it, um, and I'm very conscious about that, because every person has their own story to tell. I want to be able to, to tell that story in a way that is appropriate to the participant and appropriate to the, uh, to the programme. It's, it's certainly not about just capturing stats. Uh, I'm really keen that we have case studies and testimonials, sort of like, slightly longer, but then comments like, if it wasn't for this, I'd be stuck in my house. So that's where the social side of things really comes in, and we've learnt about that as we've gone through...
0: Yeah, and does an event like today where you've got the chance to to network, to hear from other partners, other organisations, is that a good opportunity to get that message across?
4: Absolutely, and there were some really fantastic speakers earlier, and I know there's going to be more later on. It's been a really great way of being able to to tell it as it is. Really heartfelt, please, I Mm. I thought, this morning, uh, particularly from some of the feedback sessions about wanting to wanting to say what they really felt and there were some quite emotional comments and uh, a lot of resonance with the with the audience so it's been a really inspirational morning
0: good well as you say there are other speeches about to go on so I'll, I'll let you go so you thank can go you and listen much, to yes. those but for now let me say thank you to Claire Olver from the Mercy Forest thank, thank, thank you,
1: you very much thanks You're listening to 1823 Podcast.
0: We've got some presentations coming up on topics including biodiversity and natural capital and there'll also be some workshops taking place later as well. I've just visited a session on why being green is good for business and that's something I want to talk a little bit more about now. Cost can be a stumbling block to changes in behaviour, particularly when margins are tight for businesses. To talk about that, I'm joined now by Stephen Connolly, the Estates Director at Liverpool One, the major shopping and leisure centre in the city. Hi, Stephen. Uh, thanks for taking the time to chat to us. You've, you've just been talking about this now in front yep. of the room full of delegates. Is it difficult to encourage businesses to, to change the way they do things when
3: they're thinking about profits and bottom lines? I think it can be difficult. There's no getting away from that. I mean, we're, you know, business is there to make money of some sort. But what we do with our business, what Liverpool One and Grosvenor do, is it's actually it's just part of our business model. It makes business sense to us. We are trying to create an environment within Liverpool One which is aspirational she's aspirational on two fronts one for our occupiers so the brands that come into Liverpool one where do they want to see themselves sitting as far as the you know the environmental debate is concerned for their brands and our consumers consumers very much interested in the topic of it so we want to anticipate that so what we think our role to do is that we can be business leaders mm. so we involve um, our thinking evolve our thinking regarding sort of environmental matters and sustainability sustainability through our whole business practice so whenever we come up with a business case to do something there's always a section of that about sustainability so so are we thinking it through to the right level sometimes it comes down to money I'll be honest mm-hmm. with you obviously the money factor is is important but we want to build something that was sustainable for the long-term future so Liverpool and Grosvenor's vision has always been about being here forever and therefore we take decisions that's based on that so we can take decisions that perhaps other businesses might not be able to. Yeah, and have you
0: seen a change in in consumer behaviour as the environmental issue is really
3: elevated on the agenda? Has that changed where people shop and which businesses they want to shop at? It's starting to change. You can see that coming through, and I can definitely anticipate it being as... As a decision-making factor, one of those factors about where you, where do you want to spend your money? I mean, we've only we've only, only got a certain amount of money we want to spend on things, so therefore we want to spend it in places one that we feel good in and that gives us what we want out of it, but also in places that we feel good about having that money. And I think that's part of what. Liverpool One. Instead. So, if you're involved, if you if you interact with a with a restaurant a retailer or, an, or or an occupier in Liverpool One, they're of that kind of quality that their money, the money that you spend, is going to go to those kind of good causes as well. Yeah, and have you seen? a step change in the way that businesses operate over recent years as well. It's definitely been part of the conversation. I mean, it wasn't. I've been in uh, in the world of shopping centres now for 20-odd years. Mm. And, uh, you know, first off, it was very much about, um, you know, how you plug something in and the lifespan of an air conditioning unit and that kind of stuff. The conversation has absolutely evolved. As a society, the conversation evolves. And therefore, we as a business need to evolve to it. And what I'm trying to say is that I think what we need to do is do more quicker. And that's at Liverpool and Grove and we are looking forward to doing that hence the uh, we're very interested in the air quality so the air quality yes. of liverpool is an important topic for us it's a you know it's a part of that national debate and we're looking at that for liverpool we're working with um, liverpool city centre and mersey forest and the green uh, urban green up to monitor more of the liverpool city centre now to see what that air quality is and then look at uh, with with a wider project what in uh, what, what mitigations can be put in place that's actually going to make the kind of difference but let's do this not as a knee jerk reaction not with me just going out and saying well that's a pretty plant over there let's put that in but actually let's work with the experts to say put this in because that's going to help the pollinators or that's going to be producing more of the good stuff you know it's, it's that's where I think we, we tend to talk about this debate very much in silos what's important to individual groups yeah actually this is not important to individual groups it's important to everybody so that partnership approach and bringing people and, and organizations and concepts together and the testing alone I think is critical to this
0: yeah, and you touched on that in your presentation as well when you said businesses don't often get invited to a summit like yeah. this, but actually it's really good that you're here and that you're with all the other
3: partners and organisations I've had today. things today that I wouldn't have been exposed to. Maybe we're talking about the community gardens that have been set up. We're talking about those businesses, those organisations that are looking for avenues to expand that. I was chatting to a gentleman um, at just earlier about his bees, because I've got some bees I've just brought in and he's given me some of his bees and we're talking about, right. or his, his honey I should say, and we're talking about well, maybe that's something that we can expand further you know, they, they, they lead to wider discussions but it also I think it breaks down this barrier because there can be this this perception that business is there as the, as the enemy actually no I, I you know, my view is businesses is there are part of the solution we're all consumers we're all doing taking things out of uh, the environment in one form or another businesses business can shape that future and help shape that future for everybody but we've got to do that together rather than you know from, from separate camps.
0: And, of course, people listening who are familiar with the city centre will know that as well as uh, the, the shopping premises, you also have Shavas Park there. as a, a vast Wonderful. open space, yeah, with... with so many activities go on throughout the year. And you were saying that was actually always part of the business case for
3: Grosvenor when you took on that, that yeah, site. Yes, it was. So you know, it was always designed to retain Chivas Park. I mean, everyone that anyone that knows Liverpool from old know that it was a, you know, it was an area you didn't really want to go to. Mm. We saw that as an opportunity to create something different. Liverpool, one, is a unique asset. Certainly it's unique in, in, in the UK, but it's probably unique across Europe in, in what it does in its open-air environment. So by having that open space, by having that sense of wellness, by being able to take 20 minutes out of your day and walk through and sit on some grass and smell some of the trees and just take a breath, a bit like that lung idea, mm-hmm. it really works on that front. And we're utilising the park to do a bit more now. I love going in there in a, on, on a sunny day and you've got people playing football down one end, you've got a, you know people having a book just having a read in the other, other people having sandwiches. It's it's utilising an aspect of a shopping area because it's all funded by the same pot of money mm. but for a different cause and then of course yes hopefully you'll go on and do some shopping and enjoy the restaurants and, and enjoy the environment some more but it allows you to do a bit more with that environment which actually is anticipating what consumers are wanting to do because consumers yeah. are changing what they're wanting to do with their time are changing we're all shopping slightly differently yes the internet's mm. there but we not want that physical experience and shavazz park's can play into that in some ways.
0: Yeah, and finally you touched on this a little bit when you talked about your investments in the air quality work. But where else do you see things going now over the next five or ten years, given this agenda is, is so important and has been brought into by so many people?
3: It, I mean, it's only going to get wider I and mean, it's going to look at supply chains, it's going to look at where does this, where can we start influencing the wider groups of people. We'll be using things like uh, Liverpool One and Grosvenor to be able to say, well actually this is a good idea, why don't you try it? So there'll be more of those kind of conversations. We'll expand the conversations out so they're more directed to our occupiers. And I think also it becomes a two-way thing. So It'll be much more of a listening thing as well so it'll be mm. what are our what, what what do our consumers and visitors to the estate what do they want us to do At The moment i'm you know we're, we're doing a number of initiatives that where we and partners are bringing forward but we should listen a bit more mm. to that and what do they what have they got for us so it will be a normal part of what we do as business we will also be talking about it more so you'll know more about the recycling initiatives that are going on and you'll know more about what the air quality is or what the interventions have done to help improve the air quality it's much more openness about that information i see that over the next sort of five and ten years as being a real a real something for us to aim for yeah interesting well we'll
0: keep an eye out and follow that story through thanks Stephen. it's really interesting no to problem. chat to you That's Stephen connolly the estates director at liverpool one
1: Eighteen twenty-three podcast
0: well it's been a really interesting day of the city region's first ever environmental summit things are just coming to a close now i hope we've given you a flavor of it and some food for thought from this episode we'll put links to some of the issues and the projects that we've talked about in the notes section so you can find out a little bit more if you've enjoyed the episode please give us a rating and a nice review it helps other people find the podcast and frankly just makes us very happy Thanks to my guests, Dr. Avril Rowley, Steve Rotherham, Claire Olver and Stephen Connolly. Thanks also to our producer, Michael Humphreys and editor Ben Jones, who've both been with me at the summit today. And we'll be back with you with another new episode very soon.